Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Here to talk all things Arsenal is your host, Matthew Wade. Hello again, listeners, and welcome to another Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. This is a podcast that might be in a couple of different parts because we have different guests at different times, and I don't want to deprive any of you of the joy of listening to any of our wonderful people who want to speak. Uh, and, of course, this is going to be a little bit of an end-of-season retrospective, as it were. We've had a little bit of time to form some emotional distance from the rawness of the very end of the season, although we were actually quite chipper last week, despite everything. Uh, but also we want to look not just at the immediate end of season implications for Arsenal, but the season as a whole. And then, of course, more broadly than just Arsenal, because much as this is an Arsenal podcast, we are allowed to be interested in other football as well. Uh, shock. Horror. Uh, joining me in this first part of the end of season uh, retrospective is Anita Sambol and Lana Dewitt. How are you both? Hello, hello. Nice intro. Hello. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, things have we, have... we had time to you know, recover from the end of the season. Maybe not the, the Champions League final that happened over the weekend, but... From the Arsenal perspective, yeah, definitely time to think about what has happened, what will happen, and we all the all the rumors that are already going around, and some <laughs> players signing for our London rivals, which make me really sad and upset. But <laughs> <laughs> I can't think. I can't think which of your countrymen you mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, to be to be fair, uh, uh, if you are talking about Perisic, who I'd assume you were, this is a player that when he was linked with Arsenal three or four years ago, there's always oh, too old, you know, is it yeah. worth investing him in? And of course, now he's nearly four years older. He's still okay. And it's kind of sad to admit that he's still one of the key players for, for Croatia, just like Luka Modric is, but Modric is again same thing for Real Madrid, who just won the Champions League. I hope that I I was hoping to the last minute that those were all fake rumors and that Perisic is not going to Tottenham because he's a really good guy, you know, on and off the pitch, always gives his best and all that. Not sure how well will he do it in Premier League. We'll see about that. But I'm I already know that there will there will suddenly be thousands of new Tottenham fans in Croatia and that's always super annoying. It was same happened when Modric was uh, at Spurs. Well, it's, it's interesting just on, on, on Perisic that uh, when Conte was managing Inter, he sent him away on loan because he didn't want to play him. <laughs> and now he wants them. And now two years later he wants him. So, yeah, we shall see how that works out. I mean, he's a, a fine footballer, wonderfully two-footed uh, for a wide player, great delivery, always a goal threat. The question is, is will he be able to match the physical intensity of the Premier League game in, game out? Because that's the thing that the people at the pre- peak of their careers struggle with. And Perisic is on that downward curve, um, despite a good season for Inter last year. Um so yeah, okay. Well, we're going to talk, as I say, more broadly than just about Arsenal. Um, I went off topic right away. <laughs> that's why. That's what nice. we're here for. That's what we're here for. That's how it works. If, if anyone's listening to this and hasn't worked out that off by now, then then it's no hope for them. Um, but we, yes, we will obviously talk about uh, other things, and and you, you reference the Champions League final, which you will of course have to talk about. But I think the, for me, that personally made me feel slightly better, partly just because as someone who grew up in the eighties. Even though I have great admiration for this current Liverpool team, I do quite like seeing them lose. 
and see Salah cry. Oh, what a beautiful sight. It's my background picture on my phone. <laughs> I mean, I personally haven't got anything particularly against Mo Salah, but I do think that uh, Klopp shtick is a bit like, hello, I smile through my teeth all the time and everyone thinks I'm wonderful. It's like, no, you're just as much of a bastard as all the rest of them. You're just, <laughs> you're just a slightly more charming bastard. But but it didn't give me the same pleasure as when they beat Man City. But anyway, because uh, that was hilarious. Um, so, but just starting in the Arsenal world, um, we haven't had a chance to speak to you, Lana, about sort of how you felt about the end of the Arsenal season. Obviously, you're slightly less invested than some of the rest of us, but um, but still kind of uh, nice enough to care. So, what's your feeling about the? You know why basically it went tits up, and also did it really go tits up, or is it something which we, was kind of what we should have expected? So, did you expect the top four at the beginning of the season? That is like the major question. People, I feel like at the beginning of the season, all people did was talk shit about how shit upset is, and how you know players like the necessary signings weren't done, and you know. I hope we get relegated so Arteta gets sacked, yada, yada, who, you know, the typical hysteria from Arsenal fans. I mean, if we look at it from a bigger po- picture, like the point, the, the bigger point of view being the fact that he's brought in a stability that's been lacking. He's brought in a sense of control over the team that we might not have seen in a very, very long time uh, from a manager. At Arsenal, uh, and he has players that actually players that actually wants to genuinely represent the shirt, with the exception of a few, maybe. Uh, he's weed out the you know the bad blood, you know, in terms of Mesut Özil, Aubameyang, uh, and he's you can see Xhaka is doing much better than he did at the beginning, perhaps. And the players that he's brought through and given a chance to have all succeeded in my opinion if anything i think this has been a successful season that they can build on because we talked about this a year ago that it is a work in progress it is going to take time look at milan how far you know how much they had to go through and now you know they became scudetto winners it is a work in progress and it usually starts at the top working their way down and it's all about Arsenal fans being patient. So I don't see it being an issue having top four as a goal next season if they can make the necessary recruitments in terms of getting a new striker in, perhaps, you know, a new <laughs> defender. Uh, then again, who's available to, you know, bring in that is realistically a signing for you guys? Because you need that's the thing. Arsenal fans can have high hopes and dreams about being, bringing in this and this and that, but realistically who is going to fit into this team with these type of players with the top, the setup that Arteta wants the player the team to play and I think that's like I think them they fin- you guys finished fifth right so you have you have Europa League mm-hmm. it's not it's not a bad tournament it, you know many people aspire to win it it is a it is a trophy so I don't think that people should be in any position to be nitpicking about uh, which tournament to be in. Just look at Jose Mourinho and the way he celebrated when Roma won uh, Conference League. I think I mean, many would, be, would agree to uh, getting Europa League at the beginning of the season. As you said, no one really expected top four. But as the season went on and it was so close and we all got our hopes, hopes up and that's what 
mean, yeah, I get, I get it. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, I mean, if you look at the long-term work, would you say, fine, I'm willing to settle for fifth if we can go out make the necessary recruitments in the summer? I think I read something about Atepa getting funds to do it this summer. If yeah. I didn't, yeah. So if he makes the signings that are needed, can you then at the beginning of the season having a better squad have realistic expectations of reaching top four? Yeah. I mean, it always depends on who else does what, doesn't it? Uh, you, you know, but I, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement. I mean, I was hopeful we'd get top four because I thought the lack of fixtures would help us. But then obviously I was also hopeful that our strikers would actually score some goals at some point during the season. Uh, oops. <laughs> but oops. I... I also think that, um, you know, even at the start, even as we went through the season, part of the reason we got quite so emotionally invested in the top four race, you know, is because it's a young team and we felt like, we, we felt as slight underdogs, uh, particularly given the start to the season and the way things are predicted for us and then all the turnover and what have you. And the, and, and the fact that there aren't really any star, star players, you know, there's some great younger players who have the potential to be stars, but they're not stars yet. Um, uh, and it's that slight imposter syndrome thing of like, it's a, you know, a bit like when you first get, I don't know, when you're quite young and you first get your really a good, a good job or something you really want to do, or maybe even for some people, if they first get in a relationship with someone, they think it's wonderful. They spend the whole time, you spend the whole time waiting for them to tap you on the shoulder and go, um, there's been a terrible mistake. <laughs> and and that's a bit how it like felt going for top four in that, it's like, well, we could do it. We, we might get away with this. And that'd be amazing. But we don't really believe it's going to happen. And we're just kind of slightly waiting for it to go tits up. <laughs> yeah, that's a good description. Do you think that the team felt similar? Because I felt that uh, it often happened, not only just this season, but before as well, that when it, it was... It's up to us to get the results, to get a high position on the table or something like that. We always fuck it up. And when we just, you know, go out with a clear head and nothing, uh, quotes, nothing to play for, uh, we, when there's nothing to lose, we are doing much better than when it's, it depends all on us. Well, it's- so you basically have a mentality of, yeah, you have nothing to gain from this. I mean, it could be worse. You could be Liverpool and losing the league by a, a point. Mm-hmm. That, that, I wouldn't mind that, you know, to be honest. <laughs> or, or losing, Baby steps. <laughs> losing the quadruple by essentially two goals in two different matches. Yeah. <laughs> Although they managed to win two finals without scoring a goal. So. Um, yeah, but that was the Mickey Mouse club that no one actually was allowed to brag about winning. Uh, but apparently you're allowed to brag about it if it's Liverpool, but when Arsenal was doing it, it was like the worst thing ever. I mean, I... People can, say can that when just... they don't have the record for the most victories in history. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> so it's just like, and to be fair, like you spoke about having strikers not showing up. You could be Mo, Mo Salah going into 11 finals and not scoring in any of them. So, I mean... The Thierry Henry effect. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much just the fact that Henri won finals. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, the the, the primary difference That's is the one that matters. <laughs> well, the primary difference is that, that Henri Henri is uh, was a more creative player, so was still able to impact games. But yeah, uh, still, 
I mean, it all relates to the same thing, which is pressure and the pressure of trying to do something that you haven't done before, and then you and so you don't actually know if you can do it, particularly if it's something which you really want. And that's one thing that's really clear, and a lot of you've alluded to it. You know, there's a group of players that want to play for the club. What it means something to the vast majority of them, and therefore that only increases the pressure because they know just how significant it is. It's not like some of the people we've had before are like, oh, well, it'd be nice. So I don't really feel under pressure because I don't really give a toss, really, apart from my own personal benefit. Um, there's an element of that. But it is just the thing of until you've done something, you don't know you can do it. And, and, and most people aren't like Nicholas Bentner and have, like, uber confidence in the, in the face of reality, you know, which may contradict it. Most of us need to have at least got close to doing something to feel like we can do it. I mean, sometimes we manage to do things anyway, but... You know, we're all we're all um, vulnerable to to self doubt, and particularly at the end of this season, it was self doubt augmented by the fact that you know, if if half the team's not fit, everyone knows it. They'll know it going into the game. They'll know that you know, oh shit, I can't run properly today, or I'm worried about running properly in case I do my hamstring, or or you know, so and so is not really fit, so I've got to worry about covering him a bit more and and then so so that you just you don't do what becomes natural so there's an element of that but I mean hey as you say Lana at the start of the season we all would have taken fifth some of us were optimistic that we might sneak fourth but even then it was just we might sneak it if things go our way I, I mean I which they nearly did um, I mean the one thing I got right was that Man United uh, managed to implode, which. Uh, but what I didn't anticipate is that Spurs had managed to get Antonio Conte uh, after having ditched Nuno quite so quickly. And, um, you know, you, Conte's got a lot of things about him that I, I mean, I don't necessarily want him managing Arsenal ever, but uh, as a short-term coach, you know, his record's not really something you can particularly disagree with. <laughs> um, he wouldn't fit in, though. That's like, if we if we go by the philosophy, the, you know, the vision that is Arsenal Football Club. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't align with him. And he is not, he walked out on Inter after winning the Scudetto because yeah. he wouldn't get the backing he wanted. And Arsenal owners aren't exactly known to be, you know, handing out money bags for Christmas uh, and summer. Although so, £150 million spent last summer suggests that there is an improvement in that area. And yeah. Rumours are that there might be similar funds available after some sales are made this year. So I'm just saying that not to invalidate what you're saying, but more to, because a lot of fans are still like, Cronkies are all bastards. And it's like, well, actually, if you look at it, they haven't stopped us spending slightly above our means, actually, <laughs> since, since they got... Uh, greater power at the club but anyway you know fuck Conte fuck Spurs I don't want to talk about them <laughs> yeah. moving on sorry Anita I know you're I'm just I'm just happy to see Perisic gone that way we he doesn't fucking score against us every <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, we well, might actually have a chance now <laughs> well, let's hope that scoring doesn't transfer to the Premier League it just say- injury proneness you just uh, just save it for the international football, mate. That's 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 where you should be focusing. You need to be. Yeah, focused. I agree. I agree. Yeah. World Cup last. Exactly. Last focus, focus on the World Cup, and then, <laughs> and then once you know it, they'll be coming to for you, Anita. Now, since you're Croatian as well, it's like make him stop scoring. <laughs> Talk to him. 
the World Cup's out of the way, then he can get his flip-flops on and, and uh, see out the rest of his big, fat contract. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's sort of the general impressions and, and, and you know, building on last week. Disappointed but satisfied with fifth, I think, is the accurate way of saying it. Yeah. It represents progress. Um, clearly, the, the, the direction of travel is positive, which has been harder to say for in recent years um so i, I want to kind of look at some uh, do a, sort of a bit of end of season awards really which will also lead us to talking about other things as well naturally um so i mean starting starting with you anita who, who for you is your arsenal player of the season there's obviously quite a few candidates mm. you know whether it be bikaya saka's consistency the star boy or whether it be erdegaard suddenly realizing in november that he might have a touch of genius about him or gabriel's certainty <laughs> at the back or ramsdale suddenly making everyone feel happy mm. uh just to force his personality and, and and there are others besides what do you what do you reckon I think I I think I would go with with Saka because of not just stuff on on pitch but off pitch as well. How he started this season after the disappointment in the in the Euros and all of that. I personally didn't expect him, you know, to be this good, especially since he's still so so young and he basically played every single match for us. Mm. <laughs> Literally, I mean, I was constantly worried that we are overplaying him, that he will get get injured, you know, hamstring and all of that, and just be out for two months or so. But he just kept going, and of sure, I mean, he wasn't man of the match in a lot of the matches, and sometimes he could have done things better and all of that. But it's all all part of learning, and I I would pick him and say that he also had that he is nice. Uh, okay. What Arsenal has been doing over the last season and the uh, last two seasons, maybe with Arteta, is like uh, encapsulated in Saka in player form. The progress, the belief, uh, the um, how how fans are invested. You know, they are he's their star boy and they like him a lot. And now Arsenal, they're like. All, all like Arsenal more as well, and he's London boy and all of that. And just I think he uh, he shows what we are doing now at the club and how things are moving forward with younger team, giving more chances to to uh, our own players from from the academy, and you know just trying something new and not relying on big stars, but creating our own, something that Wenger used to say back back in the day, that we don't buy stars, we make them. And I think that he, besides all that, he did really well on pitch, of, of course, and scored goals and linked well with uh, with uh, Smith-Rowe, with Odegaard, and I just really, I was really impressed with him and kept reminding myself he's still so, so young. And there's so much more to come from him, hopefully. <laughs> Lana? Uh, I agree with Anita. I think for me, what cemented it mostly is the way he recovered from the Euro final. Just if we look at um, the other two who missed the penalty, yes. <laughs> they haven't. I think it also benefited a lot that Arsenal, Arteta, gave him the support that maybe United. Dortmund at that time didn't give him, mm. give the other two players. And I think that helped him 
move past it as painful as it was, you know, being given that pressure on the world stage to take a penalty. It's not his fault. But the fact that he came out of it so much stronger really helped him have the season that he had. And as Anita said, he embodies everything there is to embody about Arsenal Football Club. Like he is the poster boy for that. And I think that, you know, we've seen big names dominate the team for so many years, you know, ever since the Wenger era started to have an academy boy come through and be the star boy. It's been a while since we've seen that at Arsenal. And I think that also gives a huge uh, ammunition when you go out and recruit players, especially young players that, okay, you see, all right, Saka's gotten all this freedom. He gets all this gaming time because that's what young players want. They want to be able to come and play every game. And seeing, you know, the likes of him, Smith Rowe, Odegaard doing that also, but, you know, is beneficial for Arsenal in many other aspects besides just playing on the pitch. So he's had a season which has been very beautiful to watch. He's stepped up when maybe you would expect others in terms of, you know, the likes of Lacazette to step up. Uh, and he's done really well, and I can. But I do share this uh, the same worry as Anita does in terms of he has played every game. Yeah. Luckily, there is a break in the summer now, but there's still a World Cup in November to come, and he will hundred percent be called up. I mean, uh, England would be stupid not to call him up. Uh, so it is that worry: how much of a break is he getting now? Uh, until next summer again when there's the Euros. (laughs) So there's a lot. It's all about not overplaying him like, you know, you guys did with Wilshire. So just trying to avoid the mistakes that was done then. Uh, But for sure, he's been my top player. Uh, Are you surprised I didn't say Lacazette? (laughs) I do watch Arsenal. Uh, no, yes, I, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised by that. I, d- I did think about rib- ribbing you in that direction, but I thought, no, no, let's 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 let that pass. I mean, a great thing. Obviously, I can't disagree. I mean, the, the other wonderful thing about Saka is he's, as universally recognised, a very positive role model. You know, very respectful, intelligent, well educated, um, and everyone seems to like him uh, within within the game. And and you know, the longer he stays at the club, as you know, the better it is for everyone. Uh, being such a positive figure as well as being such a fine player. And also a fine player who's at times carried the team on his shoulders as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so the character for cover from the Euros, the character to take the responsibility so often, the character then to, you know, take those penalties in, in high-pressure situations later on this season. And just, yeah, um, of an extremely admirable young man who also happens to be very possibly our best player. Um, so there's a bit of a contrast to that who would you say are disappointment of the season not necessarily the worst player but the player who disappointed you the most Mm. that's a really tough one because I right now I have a feeling like many players disappointed in two, three, four, five matches and then did something great like for example like Cedric I mean, I was like, why is he still at the club? Why is he playing? And when you look at it, he's not a bad backup player. He he showed that in the last match of the season as well. But generally, yeah, I I I don't think that I could you know 
pin that on one player. I'm that kind of kind of fan, you you'd say. <laughs> well, I think I think Lana, I think Lana might like my choice. Um, our disappointment for the season has to be our not too dis- distant captain uh, <laughs> Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, who. Uh, Started slowly, then has got got some goals in the League Cup. Obviously, had a very impactful performance in the North London derby. Had Arteta singing his praises about you know his work rate and his effort, and then basically spent a month not being able to hit a barn door, uh, not putting in the same work rate, turning up late, and then being kicked out of the club. <laughs> I forgot about him to be honest. <laughs> I muted his name on Twitter and all of that, and just you know. Yeah, didn't happen. <laughs> it was like we sold him in summer, not in January. Well, to be fair, bar a couple of games for his contribution, it wouldn't have made a lot of difference if we had. <laughs> um, and I can't imagine you have anyone to, to trump that with Lana, but I'd like to know if there's anyone else that stands out for you. I have two. Ooh. So I have a. I have all right. I've split this season up to two. So at the beginning, it was Abamyang. Without, you know, you don't need to explain. Just the name itself says disappointment. It reeks of uh, a lot of things. But I'm going to go with Lacazette for the latter point of the season. Oh. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> I, I'm just, I just want to put it out there. I'm not, I'm not drunk. I'm not high. <laughs> I am completely, well, I don't say mentally fit. That could be debatable. I expected more of him because I... I loved him at the beginning of the season. He really stepped up. He he would he would probably be my half player of the season if that's possible. Then if Saka hadn't overshadowed him just because of everything he did outside the pitch as much as on the pitch. Yeah. But I expected more of him the oh. last couple of months. Mm. Yeah. The last couple of months, especially given that he is you know, the last man standing and, you know, in the attacking form um, <laughs> with Aubameyang gone. Yeah. So it, this, senior, this senior. was, yeah, this, you know, this was his chance to find, you know, leave the club on good terms. And I feel like that might not be the case, that it's a bit of a bittersweet goodbye. At least that's how I feel, just because I, I might have just higher expectations to him. <laughs> even if he doesn't play for my club. So although he is, rumors has it that he is coming home. Um, I just expected him to leave on a better note. I think uh, that, that it, really- it won't be on a bad note per se, because I mean, yes, definitely he dropped in the second half, but as you said, he did a lot of good before before that. And it, this last few months just showed that, yeah, it's time to let him go and show, show to those little little amount of fans that were still behind him <laughs> and definitely showed to Arteta and the club that it's the time to let him go and not to renew his contract unlike for example El Neni who you know stepped up uh, when he got it's also the big difference isn't it that El Neni's happy to sit sit be fourth choice and get 50 grand a week and mm-hmm. Lacazette is not going to accept either of those things and and Ultimately, what Lacazette has shown this season is, is not great at the start. From, from maybe a month or two in, for the next three or four months after that, 
particularly the three-month period in the middle of the season. I mean, he was he did an amazing job for the team and a very self-sacrificing job. And I think one thing that's nice is despite his struggles this season, that was that's been really recognized, you know. Yeah. So it's not it's it's not that any I mean, he doesn't leave with any antipathy from the fans, even though if you look at it in the cold light of day and it wasn't a good season uh, from him. But everyone appreciated, everyone could see that there was a period where he was sacrificing himself for the team. Um, yeah, I think his contribution off the pitch was more valuable, uh, yeah. especially for the young kids. Yeah, I think I've... had he not been there, uh, you know... They speak a lot about him, like in the media, yeah. um, Saka, uh, Smith Rowe, like all of them, like how integral he's been to their, to you know, being there as a support, their development, and it's kind of nice to hear that you know he still has that in him, like he did at Lyon, that he is a huge part of being, uh, he's a huge part of the development for young kids coming through, and I think that is that's something that I also highlighted a lot that you might not like him, but he is, uh, he, he has been important. I just wish we had seen, I like selfish uh, Lacazette. He's a monster. <laughs> he's on, he's a monster on the pitch. You know, he scores, he's amazing. So it was just a bit sad to see him sacrifice himself. I get it. He did it for the greater goods and all that, but I just wish that we'd seen more. I just feel he was very unlucky uh, at Arsenal in many but, ways. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the totality of his Arsenal career, he was signed to fit in with certain players in a certain system. One of those players then immediately left. <laughs> and, and another one basically stopped trying. Uh, another one got injured a lot. And then we bought a Bamiyang. <laughs> so, you know, he was kind of stitched from quite early on, even though very initially it looked like a great fit but I think the other thing that's exposed this season is you know as well as his in the plus column there's his continued commitment to the cause even when even though the world and his wife knows he's leaving knows he wasn't going to get games towards the end of the season but he was still very invested which I think uh, reflects well in him but on the flip side he's clearly a player that for whatever reason can no longer, and I think struggled this actually quite a lot throughout his Arsenal career, but can no longer stand up to the rigours of a full Premier League season, the intensity, the physical intensity uh, of the Premier League. And, you know, there's been a million, well, a thousand players beforehand who've had the same same issue. Um, And uh, as you say, he leaves, he leaves with warmth, but not necessarily uh, moaning his departure. Um, I, one, of course, I personally should have also mentioned really is disappointment of the season, which in a way is probably greater than Lacazette, is a certain uh, other player that arrived from League 1 uh, who will oh. likely be departing this summer. I was hoping we'd avoid that one. <laughs> Oh yeah, just one, one more that I keep forgetting that we have. The pain in your voices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anita was hoping we would just dodge that subject <laughs> all along. Just I was hoping that I already have him off off our books. <laughs> Hopefully, someone will come and get him. Pepe, right? <laughs> yes, yes. There is a very big, very left-footed, whole size elephant in the room. As much as Damn we- it. 
<laughs> much as we'd like well, we... not to discuss, he is uh, he is still here. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you guys he wasn't going to succeed. I just want that on the record. I, I believe it is on the record as well. Yeah. Uh, back when Stephen brought me in, I was like, oh, dude, what have you done? Um, but uh, I was also thinking about another certainly grown player uh, who has been on loan uh, for uh, you guys. Oh. Which, which uh, one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one that is uh, labeled the, the best young defender in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I do wonder if next season when obviously he, he will play. I mean, judging by the latest. Is he coming back? Or yeah, judging by like, the latest. Stuff. Yeah, he definitely. I, can't afford him. End of done. <laughs> yeah, I do yeah, wonder but... if uh, the also great Arsenal fans that are now sure that we are missing so much for having him alone will have the pitch really for more than fifty minutes, you know, or two or three wrong passes or stuff like that, you know, because they usually don't. I mean, don't get me wrong. He he's had a good season, uh, but. <laughs> you have oh do i mention the colossal mistakes against you know leon when you know it it was um yeah we when leon and masai had to replay their game the one you know with the whole the fans throwing a ball up paye and all that the one that everyone thought masai was going to win but in the end for some miraculous reason leon decided to beat the crap out of them you could still see that this is a player that is going to make mistakes. He's still very fresh. He is still very young. Yes. Do I think he he benefited from this loan? Absolutely. Uh, this it, it, it was it was a great choice uh, of Arteta to send him out on loan. And anyone who disagrees do not understand how development of young players work. And it, and not only that, the Premier League is tough. It's super tough. And Arsenal fans aren't exactly the most forgiving when it comes to making mistakes. Especially uh, defenders. Yeah, yeah, especially defenders. So uh, why? I'm not sure they're going to be that patient, Anita. I think you have very, very, very high expectations of your fellow fans. He is going <laughs> to make mistakes. Uh, I, however, I do think like he has been called up to the national team, obviously for good reasons. I think, you know, he's going to benefit from playing alongside, you know, Varane, uh, not so much Kim Pembe, just because he's a major disaster. But the other good play defenders that have been called up, he is going to, you know, benefit from playing alongside them. He gets to shine in the glory of Karim Benzema. So all that is very good for him. Uh, but you have to be patient. He is going to make mistakes. It's that simple. And he is coming into a league he's not familiar with. Yeah. Uh so I do, however, think that he is the man to keep for years to come. He's still very young. Uh, but if you have patience with him, he's yours for the next decade. Uh, if, you know, Madrid doesn't come and grab him up in a couple of years. <laughs> I'm, you know, just war- warning you guys already. Yeah, I think one of the things that Saliba has struggled with and was certainly highlighted as a problem weakness in his play when he was sent on loan was... Uh, defending crosses in the air despite having such good size but it's um you know he's he's obviously got amazing tools to be a defender but hasn't quite learned to do every aspect of the game and of course that which he has developed this year but that is would definitely be something that would be targeted majorly in the Premier League as we've seen people 
due to Ben White, who has also evolved slightly in that area with it being a bit of a potential weakness at the start of the season. So, yes, there have been lots of people that seem to think that Saliba going on loan was some kind of agenda from the evil overlord. Uh, but um, ultimately, him being first choice defender for Marseille in European competition, etc., rather more useful for him than being third choice defender fighting out with Rob Holding, particularly given, as it's turned out, that our first choice central defence stayed largely fit right up until the end of the season. And and then Rob Holding was the closer uh, to, to finish games, not so much to start them. <clears throat> but, um, so, yeah, I, I can't can't disagree that that it was the right thing that happened. So uh, I think judging by your... Judging by your vocal reactions alone, we have to give the award to disappoint the season to Nicola Pepe because you didn't even really need to say anything. You both just audibly expressed everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, closely related to, to that award is a nice surprise of the season, which uh, which Arsenal player do you think has, has done better than you anticipated and made you feel more optimistic? I, I have to go with, with uh, Aaron Ramsdale. I was so angry that transfer during the summer. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was like, I was like, who, who is he? Why are we paying so much? This is just, you know, English player tax and all of that. You're just too much money. We don't need a new goalkeeper. Brent Leno is just, you know, pretty, pretty good. Okay, goalkeeper and all of that. And then just, you know, oh, really, really surprised me and... I, I'm so glad I was I was wrong and just really like the guy on and off the pitch. Obviously, he had some really not so good reactions <laughs> later in the season, where he, he basically told everyone to eat shit for doubting him. He was like, "I'm here," <laughs> but uh, the reaction I saw your tweets, I was like, "Why is Anita on the nervous meltdown at this point? Should she just like relax and?" I just not not a fan, you know, of uh, overpaying for English players. I just think. Oh, like, I agree. White, I agree. And White can go in the same uh, basket. <laughs> I, I think also to be fair, you you were a bit jaded after last season, Anita. At the start of the season, you weren't quite your usual happy self. Yeah, <laughs> I've changed. <laughs> um, you may also have been absolutely exhausted due to being heavily pregnant, but anyway, that's not the matter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely, Alan Ramsdale, and I'm really glad we did sign him and we did pay so much for him. I think it's definitely paid off. What about you, Lana? Uh, again, okay, so I am a firm believer of a good mental health. I've, you know, work a lot on that personally, and I think again, I have to mention Saka just because mm. we saw what happened to Rashford. We did anyone genuinely believe that he was going to have the season he had mm. coming off the racial abuse he suffered at the World Cup or no, at the Euros? I mean, well, as an example, close to home, you know, Mesut Ozil had a falling out with Germany, got abused by his own fans and had a nervous breakdown and turned into a fucking second rate waste of space. <laughs> yeah. So I think for me, he, the level of maturity he showed uh just i i genuinely thought that he was not going to have a good season that it was going to mentally affect him a lot uh the whole miss the racial abuse uh everything that he had to go through but he turned out to be the star boy and was even nominated for young player of the year i mean 
And player of the year nominated for yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, I hasten to add. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I yeah, I would think just on that level of if we're going to go psychologically a bit deeper into matters, uh, I think, yeah, Saka would be my choice just because I didn't expect him to do as well as he did um, given uh, the summer that he had. Mm. So good on him. I mean, I, I very much think you're both right, but I was more optimistic in both those cases. So I think for me, possibly, it, it might even be uh, the rehabilitation of Granit Xhaka, mm -hmm. given, given, the, given that early on in the season he managed to get uh, idiotic red card TM versus Manchester City away, <laughs> uh, uh, and given that he nearly left the club in the summer and given how many people were quite keen for him to leave the club in the summer to see him getting sort of cheered and applauded and having his moment with the goal against Man United. And just the fact that, you know, he, as, as the team has stopped being a batshit mess of craziness, it's not, it's not that he's vastly improved as a player, but just that. He stopped telling fans to fuck up. Well, I mean, he's he's learned how to yeah. Let's just say he's learned how to better deal with some of the challenges he faces. <laughs> but 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 also, um, you know, there's been in the same way with Lacazette, people recognise his sacrifice to the team, even though Lacazette had a poor season. You know, Xhaka didn't have a poor season. Obviously, he's not our best player. He had a, but he had a good season. But also people were starting to recognise, hang on, this is a guy who's willing to play in how many different positions for us? And, yeah. he's, and he's changed his game completely or tried to change his game completely at certain times to fit into different positions. And actually, as the other senior players have all turned out to be, you know, dickheads or irresponsible or woefully in fluctuating form, he's, he's flawed. We know what those flaws are. We've known that for a while, but he's there. You know, he got injured for the first, he got his first proper injuries in Arsenal player and suddenly we're like, oh, fuck, there's no Granit Xhaka. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so it was just a kind of, as I say, it's not that his his performance was massively surprising, even though I think he did take another step forward in certain areas of his game this season and did well in roles I would have expected him to do. But I think uh, more than just the surprise is how, how he's basically, apart from a few diehards, has, has largely been accepted and ironically, just as he gave the interview about, you know, they'll never love me, just as people were starting to go, oh, he's all right, really, isn't he? <laughs> so that that was a sort of pleasant surprise for me. Honourable mention to Eddie Nketiah uh, oh. showing that when he's actually given a chance, there might be a Premier League striker there who might be getting a five-year contract if, if rumours are to be believed. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see next season, probably. <laughs> and anything that shuts up miserable, whinging twats on the internet is always something I go for. <laughs> um so uh, again, related to that, and we'll we'll do this one quickly. Uh, slightly different, different, different disappointment of the season, but uh, what maybe one that uh, that, that a couple of those players might have entries for. But donkey of the season, not not someone we expect great expectations for, but someone who was just a bit shit. <laughs> Although they can be one and the same, because actually some of our worst players this season have been players we had higher expectations for. Maybe Cedric falls in that in that uh, category. I had a feeling you might say that. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. I'm just like uh, waiting for her to say Cedric. I just feel like the I mean, love to be is honest, there. To be honest, that's the only reason I put the category in, so you could say Cedric. 
<laughs> I think we, we should keep him to be the model for the kids because <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> okay, well, that tells me a certain amount about your taste, but that's all good. Um, <laughs> personally, I think he looks a little bit like a dodgy hotel manager, but there we are. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we, won't, we won't dwell on that. But uh, goal of the season. Uh, because despite the fact that we've struggled to score as many goals as we'd like, um, we did actually score some wonderful goals this season. Uh, you know, Lacazette versus Southampton springs to mind. You've got Bamiang versus, versus Spurs. You've got um, uh, Smith Rowe against Chelsea, even Odegaard on the last day. Or there might be a goal that you liked for reasons other than aesthetic beauty. It might have been Xhaka just booting it very hard past over De Gea or Eddie and Ketty embarrassing goalkeepers and nearly falling over against Leeds United. You know, for, for personal reasons, I have to go with Xhaka against United. <laughs> the, the, the only, <laughs> you need to sample domestic derby. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's what, I mean, he, he scored against them uh, when we were at the Emirates when Arsenal played United back in what 2017, I think it was 17. Warm, warm, sunny day in May, yeah. And then he, he scored as well against United. So I really like his goals against United, and definitely, yeah, I, I will go with that. Although the Lacazette against Southampton is really a great one because it's kind of a counter attack team goal, and that's something that I really hope we see more uh, next season as well, Lana. Oh, do you even have to ask? <laughs> like, I, know, but I want the, you to say it. I want you to say it. <laughs> oh, the great Lacazette, because as Anita said, it's been a while <laughs> since we've seen those counter-attacking goals. Uh, I mean, the one against Barcelona and the Champions League springs to mind as being yeah. the great one. So it <laughs> was, I, I mean, I'm not going to compare it to that, but it was, it was great to see that, okay, Arsenal is still capable of, those kind of goals, uh, and it's, it, it, it was nice that it was yeah it was yeah. nice that you know he was the one to score it. Uh, brought well, back the old Leon days as well. Yeah, well, particularly as that's the sort of finish we used to see a bit from Lacquer, um, but it had otherwise has sort of deserted him in, in in the last year and a half, which is a real shame. I don't know why, but he's sort of what chances of getting that position he's he's missed with a lot greater regularity than you know. It's always been a strength of his arriving at the ball in, in that sort of position. You know, normally within the eighteen yard box in relatively short space or hitting it first time, that's a great strength of his, and hopefully he can rediscover that wherever he ends next. Um, I mean, as uh, for me, I'd probably go for the Smith Rowe one against Chelsea, because mm. um, that that was the one with us starting with like nearly fucking it up on penalty about three times, and then Jacka somehow getting us out of trouble by like not making a Chelsea player and then body swerving past another, which is like, hello, what did I just witness? <laughs> um, and then and then the beauty of the the little tiny moment, little touch from Erdegaard. Just and then and then Smithrow just basically rolling it in the corner, mm. not very hard, but just somewhere where the goalkeeper can't get at it. <laughs> it's like elegantly rolled it. Yeah, in. yeah, and 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 you know Smithrow struggled a bit in the second half of the season, and clearly yeah. struggling with with it, with fitness at times. But didn't get so many minutes as well. That, yeah, and but that was one with four or five goals he got this season, which were basically. Mm. Hmm, that's a lot like a certain Mr. Pires that used to play in that position for Arsenal. <laughs> Just that the way he was arriving and finishing and making things difficult 
or potentially difficult look very simple and easy and nonchalant. And and we all love someone scoring a goal that's hard without looking like they're trying. Um, I think I think all all of those are worthy, but I think I'm going to give it to uh, as 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 the host to Lacazette just because it was a thing of beauty uh, and it was a goal with a lot of risk associated with it, and it was uh, yeah a great goal from start to finish. And unlike the Chelsea one, it was sort of planned that all of the getting out from the back, whereas the Chelsea one was a bit like oh shit oh good look where we are. Um, <laughs> So that's the one for me. Uh, match of the season. This is Arsenal match of the season. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe that one against Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, that was a really great great win. That was a that was a good game though. It was like yeah, no, I think not not many expected us to do well to to win, and then yeah, we just, just blow them out the park. It was <laughs> like it was like who who's this team? What? It was just it was. Kind yeah, of we, we were on a bad bad run, right? Yeah, we'd look just lost yeah. games in a row. Yeah. Yeah, and that was just yeah, really scoring. Four. And no one expecting Arsenal, just like everyone going into this game thinking Arsenal's gonna get smashed and just yeah. like it turns out Chelsea was. So <laughs> it was kind of a, uh it was kind of beautiful to watch to be honest. Uh that for sure is probably one of Probably yeah, and the next one, I guess, season. against United was also fun. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly for you. It's always fun. Always fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and that Chelsea, it's strange. Even though, like, we were in bad form and it looked like the wheels were falling off, I, that, I went to that Chelsea game feeling, like, confident. And, and then when I saw their defenders, their defenders missing, I thought, we can get them. Partly because they'd they'd gone on a little bit of a wobble and were partly were slightly distracted by Abramovich and Noah had an eye on on Europe, I guess, or were still processing that emotionally. Um, but also, after year, you know, we forget that after years of being done over by Mourinho, playing terrible football against us, but but exploiting every weakness mercilessly, we've, we've got a quite good record against Chelsea. Yes, they did us at our place at the start of the season, but we had, you know. That was Pablo Marie trying to get into a wrestling match with Romelu Lukaku, which is like dumb shit 101. Um, uh, but, actually, but, you know, that's, you know, we beat them there last year as well. Admittedly, we struggled with it. But then in the year before, we had, well, I think it was the year before where we, we got the draw despite the, having playing the, almost the entire game with 10 men. Uh, we quite like it. I think it was those two games that actually gave the hope of, oh shit, we yeah, can actually get fun. top four. That yeah. was the one that catalyzed, okay. Of course. Are, yeah. Can we can we talk about this? Yeah. Are, are we allowed? So, because I think that's I felt that's when you know the energy shifted and you started to see Arsenal fans being hopeful. Okay, we might actually have a, ch- a shot. I'm actually going to tell you guys something. I'm actually genuinely ashamed of saying this. Um, so, me being the delusional person that I am, genuinely thought that Juve could win the league. So there was a period where we were actually doing well and everyone else was doing shit. So at one point, I think we were like six points behind first. Mm. And I was like, holy shit, we're going to win. We're going to win this Scudetto. Everyone can eat shit. I can't believe they doubted us. I, you know, I was genuinely, del- I've never been this delusional in my life. And I've been delusional a lot. This was like, and I haven't even told anyone. And now I'm about to go on live podcast and tell everyone how fucking delusional I was and then I was like I genuinely cried when we fucked up because then after that I I genuinely think we just jinxed it or whatever we did it just like went downhill 
and I sat in, in my apartment crying over the fact that we had choked the league when we were never in it. Yeah, it you never in it. <laughs> we were never in it. It was just me having this delusional thinking. Do you know how happy I was? I was when the season was over because it was <laughs> it was such an emotionally damaging season for me. Me alone in myself, like I didn't go on Twitter to parade about like, oh, we're gonna win the league. No, it was me in my own little bubble. It just just goes to show how delusional I was. Although, then, so perhaps the fact you didn't go on Twitter maybe suggests there was part of your brain that recognized that you were being a tad optimistic. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't know if you noticed, I wasn't very active on Twitter, so it was just yeah. I. Yeah. It, it was it was not. Uh, so I I uh, I actually went to my uh, my granddad who passed away. I went on his grave and told him about the fact that Juve had choked and bottled the league, and it was awful. And how could they do this to me? And but I'm happy that Milan won, like mainly because it was last time. But it was yeah, I've I've had a pretty damaging uh, few months, you know, <laughs> genuinely believing in a, a league uh, in a title that was never there to begin with. So um, yeah, uh, when this well, league, when the league was done, I was pretty happy to be honest. Well, as Arsenal fans, we've had to see Olivier Giroud uh, win the Europa League. Oh, I was happy for final. him. Uh, win the Champions League and then go to Milan and immediately win the Scudetto. He's had a very good season. Like when Zlatan became injured, yeah, he really stepped up. Like because Zlatan said at the beginning of summer, "Just give me a year. I'm bringing the I'm bringing the Scudetto home." He was amazing the first half. Then he got seriously injured. Giroud stepped up and hell, they they won the league by two points. So. It's uh, it's uh, it's been a good season for Milan and back in the Champions League and all that. And even so are we, by the way. As well. <laughs> yeah, he was actually praised by Bremer. You know, now I know what because securing top four means because uh, it wasn't far off from us bottling it and not mm-hmm. getting Champions League. So, whoever says Champions top four isn't a trophy, it is for me now. <laughs> <laughs> Veng was right all along. I think yeah, my match yeah. season is, is a bit of an odd choice because it's a game we actually lost, but it was the game against Man City. Oh, uh, the one where we were so good. The New Year's Eve one. Yeah, the, the, the one where... Um, I, mean, I was at oh, the game. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I have a video of the Saka goal because I was randomly filming and then I just saw that he scored and I was like, what did I just miss? But it, <laughs> you guys got shafted like that was so undeserved I've never like I was convinced it was match fixing I was like where do I report this <laughs> well that's in a way partly why it's my match of the season there's a few different things it's it's firstly the fact that we took on you know the league the champions the one of the most expensively assembled squads in the history of anything ever you know best team blah 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 blah, blah, blah. and we basically tore them a new arsehole for the first half yeah. uh, but then it was also micro also micro but that was really important because you know every time prior to that they played city or liverpool we'd basically been slapped in the last three or four years like slapped apart from the fa cup it was like bat 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 go away and this and this time they were scared and you could see they were scared because all the box of snide trips started coming out and, but um but of course, it was equally microcosmic because we got, you know, very harshly treated by match officials, shall we? Oh. Say. <laughs> uh, which has also been a big theme of the season. Um, but 
even though it was a game we lost, it was I think it was important for the, the confidence of the team and the belief in the project. And I've never seen so many Arsenal fans happy after losing. <laughs> yeah, it was a great game for sure. It was such a great game. Bastards. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, just a couple more for uh, on Arsenal um, signing of the season. Uh, Anita's already mentioned a certain uh, some person for whom the the uh, the Aaron Ramsey chant could be reused for. Um, is he your signing of the season? Yeah, I would go with him. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I mean, I think that the, the, all the work we did in summer was really pretty good, pretty good transfer, transfer wise. Although, from like perhaps uh, Tommy Asu, we will probably see more of him next season because of the injuries that he got uh, this this season and all of that. But yeah, I, w- I will stick with Aaron Ramsey, although Ben White has been good as well <laughs> and Odegaard who was like oh, okay yeah good signing but then he surprised as well I mean surprised you know overstepped up more than he he did when he was on loan here yeah Lana uh, I agree with Anita it was <laughs> actually nice to see you guys sign someone that didn't turn out to be a flop especially you know an English player because they don't always that. turn out to be <laughs> They don't always turn out to be huge successes, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So it's nice to actually see uh, someone uh, performing. And he's done, he's had a great season, you know, yeah. overall. Uh, I'm being extremely positive, but I, just because I think that Arsenal should really be happy with the way it finished, given the expectations they had. Uh, and for me, I think, although. Uh, I think Ramsdale's had a, a bigger impact on the atmosphere in a lot of ways and has done very well. And I think Erdegaard's been the best footballer by mm. our signings. I'm actually going to go with Ben White, even though he's had the odd dodgy moment, but simply because he allowed us to evolve as a, as a team in the way we played because last season you were having to crank out either Rob Holding or David Luiz alongside Gabriel. And what that means is you're immediately 20 yards further back towards your own goal, particularly when David Luiz was playing. Was, as he got older, basically, he couldn't really run. So basically, he stopped venturing up the pitch. <laughs> and every time he did venture up the pitch, things would go terribly wrong and he'd get sent off. Um, but I think Ben White's arrival, basically, was a clear intent that we're going to play up the pitch, high-line defence, play out from the back, and it was basically, and the size of the investment as well is like this is going to be what we do, and just him being there made that happen. And I think that happening was also the biggest transformative impact on the team, despite the performance of individuals. But just the fact that we were now playing with the ball in the opposition half, um, and yeah, our defence was a bit wobbly towards the end of the season as people started dropping like flies. But I, I also think he made it form an extremely strong partnership with Gabriel. And I'm old school Arsenal. I like a centre half. And uh, as, as an, a sort of opposite for this, out of those players who left, whether it be the summer or in January, who do you think we missed most? Oh, the old Obama young. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sadly, that, sadly, that person no longer exists. <laughs> the inform Obama young before he got his stupid contract, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, might have put you guys towards the finish line. 
Yeah, unfortunately, that contract was a year and a half ago or two years ago now. So, yeah. <laughs> time flies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shit, time really flies. It's insane. I, I almost forgot he played for you guys this season. It's that, it's, it's that like, this yeah, season is way I, too long. Like a feeling that he, we saw him in summer, not in January. Yeah. Well, you, you'd be shocked to show I'm not going for Willian. Uh, <laughs> You know, him and David Luiz. Apparently, he's having similar issues in Brazil as well. (laughs) All their fans at his new club hate him, which, and and of course, being being Brazil means that comes with threats of violence and what have you. But it's it's a weird one, but I'm actually going to go for myself for uh, the January departure on loan of Ainsley Maitland Niles, even though I don't think he'd have played more than about six or seven games this season. But just, or, you know, after he left, but just the fact that he, uh, the fact that he was not available to be picked meant that we ended up making some interesting decisions against Liverpool in the League Cup and the fixes around that time, which led to the injuries of Tommy Asu. Uh, and then obviously meant that we, over, we couldn't ever give party or uh, a break. And he also could have been another option for Tierney if, if, if um, Tavares was struggling, and basically, I just think if 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 Maitland Niles had been at the club, we wouldn't have lost three absolutely key players through injury at the crucial crunch point of the season, because at least one of them would have got a rest. Um, That's a, yeah, good shot. Yeah, definitely. And, and also because, despite the fact that Lacazette went to Barcelona and scored some goals, um, and scored you know at a great clip, I think he was a top scorer. Young. Sorry, sorry, I'm having angst. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> uh, um, the fact is, is that Abameyang also had some games with Barcelona where he shit the bed. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so hilarious. And it's and it's not as challenging. I mean, he got two great goals in Spain, but the rest of them are kind of goals that you expect any striker to get. And if you're playing, yes, Barcelona aren't the force they were, but half of the Spanish league is crap. You know the bottom half of the spat, and and yeah, he got a hat trick against Madrid in in in, El, in the Clasico. But that was like I don't know what Madrid were doing in that game. It's like it was like wow, they, they, they just didn't care. They were like, yeah, we're still winning the league. Do whatever you want. But it was it was like they'd been t- they'd all been given defensive coaching sessions by Scrodan Mustafi. You know, <laughs> it was like wow, none of you got a clue you're doing. Um, so yeah, anyway. Uh, but I wanted to also touch on things a little bit more general. Um, so I think I might know Lana's choice for this next one up front, but uh, European football or world football player of the season. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I might agree with Lana's choice. <laughs> Are you getting your Ballon d'Or vote in quickly, Lana? <laughs> oh, I, I already casted it ages ago. Mr. Karim Benzema. I, I really think that he deserves the Ballon d'Or oh, this, this year. He too. fucking deserved it. He got robbed in the final. And you know what the worst part is? That people are saying that he got chumsy with the referee. Fine. Clement Topan, we all know he's a secret Leon fan. Obviously, he was going to fanboy over Benzema. I would have done more than fanboy, to be honest. So, re- respect to Topan. He disallowed the goal, which was not offside. Just, yeah. not, just so. So... I'm just saying, yes, he didn't have the best final. He still won it, which was, that was, he sealed the champion, the Ballon d'Or there. 
because it was with between him and money. Had money oh. won it, he would have gotten the Ballon d'Or. And thankfully, he didn't. <laughs> he lost, which I felt bad for him because money is probably the only Liverpool fan that I, a Liverpool player that I actually like. The rest are just obnoxious yeah. piece of shit. <laughs> Mane's so, a wonderful player, but he's a nasty snide fucker. <laughs> uh, but I like, like, I like him. Out of all, they're all nasty, to be honest. I mean, just oh, did you see Salah? I just no. I'm just happy they all lost, and the fact that they disrespect former great defenders by saying that Van Dyke is the greatest of all time. Honestly, like, can we just call the police on every one of them and have them arrested? Well, <laughs> you know, hyper- hyperbole is not short in supply when it comes to Liverpool Football Club. Um, uh, yes, if, if my choice probably would have been Mbappe had he choked against Madrid, uh, but just because I I'm still having a hate relationship with him after the whole you know Euro debacle that we don't want to actually go into. And the whole penalty miss, and oh, it's so traumatizing. But it looks like he went and got some, you know, help for that, thankfully. And now I'm hoping to see a different Mbappe going into the World Cup. Uh, but for sure, my vote is to Mr. Karim Benzema. He's earned it. He's finally stepped out, you know, been taken out of the shadows of Ronaldo. He's taken that Madrid team and made this his own. And it's only fair that he wins it. If they give it to someone else, yeah. I'm legit gonna. I'm legit gonna burn everything down. <laughs> I'm going full Putin on everyone. <laughs> oh, steady. Yeah, I mean, because it's uh, it's deserved. He's had a great season. He's been amazing. Just look at the fact that look at the final, like the road to the final. Yeah. Look at the teams he made. If we like, if we can buy, he scored hat trick against all of them. Well, not City he scored two, then one, but technically we'll count that as a hat trick. <laughs> Who did Liverpool face? Emery. Like he just opened up his legs and let all those goals let in. It's like the easiest way to the final. Madrid really genuinely had to beat the yeah. three biggest favorites for the final. Yeah, definitely. And then won the final against another big favorite. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you. Just he, Benzema for Madrid has become an absolute titan. I mean, the amount of games this season, I mean, we all saw the Champions League games, but even in La Liga, there was games where just went, okay, this is bullshit. I'm going to win this game now because, you know, it's <laughs> irritating me. And it's, it's, it's leadership, the way he transmits himself to his teammates. There's also a huge amount of selflessness to his play, particularly in big games. Uh, it's just great seeing him having the opportunity to get the recognition he should have got a bit sooner, but also great to, to have him continuing the trend of of great players staying great, even though they're getting older, you know, mm-hmm. Lewandowski. I mean, Ibra's legs are finally gone, but, you know. We'll see about that surgery. Well, yeah, Modric, yeah, but, that, that it, pass. but even this last year, even at the start of the season when he was doing great things, Ibra, he basically can't run. <laughs> no, he, he was he was playing with. The, but yeah. like, if we talk about Modric, because I feel like he yeah. is a bit the unsung hero. Um, yeah. Just that pass, that pass uh, against. Oh. Yeah, the assist. Oh my god, it was oh, like. God. <laughs> You wow. haven't seen such such a beautiful pass since probably <laughs> the likes of Zidane, Pirlo, uh, you know, Pavlet, just to mention a few. But it was just so beautiful. And I was like, I couldn't registrate the pass or the goal because I was still obsessed with the way his foot was moving. Like, it was just like 
so smooth. And I was like, I had to, you know, rewind back and just like, he, he amazing. And, you know, yeah. speaking of creations, the past 10 years, like the last yeah. decade, we've had a creation winner. Yeah. Every In Champions, Champions League, League season. Seems, yeah. Every, every starting, season. Yeah. Starting with Mandzukic for Bayern. Mandzukic and Bayern. Then, Modric yeah. and Kovacic with Real uh, and Perisic with Bayern as well. A but then the hat trick, yeah. <laughs> so it's been, it's kind of amazing though. Like, who, which country can boost themselves with I, having a Champions no. League winner every year? I don't I, think that even Brazil. I, I think, I think the amazing thing about Modric as well, um, we have to give him serious love, is that there was two or three times in that run where, like, by about half time, he looked like he, you know, he looked like his legs were going. He looked like he was struggling to keep the pace of the game. And then the longer the game went on, he got stronger and stronger. And then by extra time, he's like pissing all over the opposition. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to leave you in behind. It's all right. You can't catch me. I'm too quick for you. And you're like, you're supposed to get more tired, not less tired. How does that even fucking work? I mean, 36 years old. Because you can see that was the tactic of Liverpool in the final, just wearing out Cruz and him. But as the game went on, they just became stronger. And I was like... Although that was, was the legit- first game in the run where Modric actually got taken off. Or was was the yeah, because... Other um, old people. <laughs> but um, Yeah, but he, he, he actually said, I need to be taken out. Like, yeah, he was signaling yeah, yeah. that yeah. now I'm... And I think that just, like, the games that they had won just was catching up to him. Well, also Liverpool, for you know, Liverpool didn't have the, the best performance in the final in Madrid, particularly in that second half, were tactically so fucking smart. But um, Liverpool are a team that they gen- one thing they have is physical intensity, and your midfield mm-hmm. is going to work if you're playing against Liverpool. And that's the problem that we've had against them is that we haven't had the, the midfield, the athleticism midfield to be able to cope with them. Um, just move. I just want to move on because we've not got much time left. Uh, but I just want to. Match of the season, a non-Arsenal match. I mean, there have been some incredibly high-quality games. I mean, some of the the games, say, between Liverpool and City were just like, just the level was like, ouch. Um, But for me... In the league or in general in Europe? In in anything you like. And I'm going to say, again, we're staying on the same page for me. Uh, Real Madrid beating Man City in the Champions League just the, the absolute drama of it. The fact it was drama building on previous drama, building on previous drama. It was so late. And the fact that Pep Guardiola was just wandering around grinning like a simpleton, uh, like, like, <laughs> like a village idiot who's just had his trousers stolen. You know, it was like, wow. And, and, you know, I'm not a Madrid fan and never have been, but like, I was one of millions of people around the world who suddenly found themselves jumping out of their chair and cheering and screaming at it. It was just <laughs> fucking amazing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, yeah, that, that's a really difficult one. Anita, who's yours? I, I have to be honest, I didn't watch so many matches as I used to before, especially not, even oh, when yeah. I did watch, I didn't, you know, pay 100% attention because often when, especially with Champions League matches and all that, those were like last two hours of the day when I had some time for myself. So, In the good old days. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I don't think I'm a good, you know, I didn't watch so many matches to give a good, a good opinion on this one. So <laughs> go ahead, Alana. 
it's difficult for me. I think just I would take PSG Madrid just because it was bigger than just no it was bigger it was bigger than just the fact that it was those two it was about Kylian Mbappe and Karim Benzema the two best players currently in the world going up against each other Mbappe potentially against at that time his future club like it was like so it was just like the whole game was bigger than just those two teams facing each other. The fact that Mbappe scored a hat-trick, two of them were ruled outside, then Benzema just switched around and scores a hat-trick in 15 minutes was just... It just goes to show, like, okay, Mbappe, it's not, your time is not here yet. Sit down. I'm still, you know, the king. Uh, so I think for me, that was... Out of, you know, a France fan point of view, I think that was the game of the season for me. But then the City one is a close second for sure, with Chelsea being third. I think just those three games were my top three games of the season. And, and isn't it always terribly disappointing when you see sports watchers lose in dramatic circumstances right at the end to really crush their dreams? It's like, <laughs> it's for, as neutrals, I think as neutrals, or just like in terms of non-Chelsea fans who are like, for instance, London fans, like from uh, Arsenal Spurs, they, they must have enjoyed it. But like for my brother, I was watching with me. He was genuinely in tears. He was like, what is this match fixing? This is so undeserved. We were like, and the thing is, in all three games, Madrid were dominated. Like they were battered. And I think what I genuinely just admired Madrid about was, it was a period in the final, or actually in all four games, they were being they were pushed against the wall. You could see that Modric was running his ass off. Like Benzema was defending, Vinicius was defending, but they, they weren't panicking. No. They were just like no. calm and cool. And that's like, if when I see like Leon, when they're pushed about, they're just spreading their legs and letting in goals. But Madrid was just so calm and collected. Like, to coin oh, a frame, this. mentality monsters. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and in a, in a mo- you know, that used to be something that you was famously known for, riding off the storm. Yeah. Uh, now, so it was just like, wow, you know, people talk about, oh, it, it, supporting teams that, you know, press a high game and, you know, tiki-taka. For me, it's the fact that if you're able to stay calm and defending, that's the beauty of, you know, the game for me. And that was just so magical to watch throughout you know those four games how calm they were i think that helps that they probably you know have Ancelotti who was just like on the sideline chewing his gum and being calm and collected uh whilst Klopp and you know Tuchel and uh, Guardiola just like running around crazy and can't believe the results of the games it's, it's, it's a sort of element of manifest destiny with Real Madrid as well when it comes to the European Cup. Okay, well, that seems like a good place to end things. Uh, I'm going to have a further chat about the season with Paul and probably a guest who's been in the podcast earlier in the season. And if we can do, we might get some of the others involved to basically do an, a broader uh, range analysis of what's happened this year in the land of Arsenal and beyond. But thank you so much, guys. Always a pleasure to speak to you. As always, great chatting with you guys and looking back at all the good and bad of the season. I'm looking forward to the big summer ahead. Uh, And of course, have a fantastic week to everyone listening.